Blog Talk Radio. A council on the future of education. Fire, frustration, and discord are burning in every city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode on the Council on the Future of Education call-in radio show. Uh, we have a, uh, a wonderful 20 minutes or so prepared for you. We have a guest with us, Mr. Darren Horn. Uh, he's a guest lecturer, educator. Uh, actually, this cat does everything, but it's cool because he's out of the UK. So this is our first official international show. <laughs> uh, but let's see here. Uh, Darren is an educator out of the UK. He also runs a martial arts studio. He's a writer, author. Uh, he has leadership and communication uh, consultancy uh, group. He also does a lot with working with youth mental health first aider, uh, neuro linguistic programming practitioner. Like I said, this guy does it all. Um, and one of the cooler things that I read about him is that he actually was uh, helped out a project that launched the local police Snapchat chat channel in the UK. Uh, it won all sorts of awards, went rather viral, and a really kind of a cool thing for uh, to be able to get involved with uh, kids and using their technology to sort of help out a modern-day problem. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, his interest in looking at the hero's journey and uh, using sort of that that mantra to sort of push your life forward and how we can embrace our own hero's journey to stay up to date with the modern world. Uh, and what are we going to do about preparing our kids for careers that are going to go well into the future and not even just here right at the moment. So uh, let me get Darren here on with us. How you doing, Darren? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's get into this uh, concept of the hero's journey. <laughs> Well, uh, you pretty much covered everything I do, but I guess one of my epiphany moments was two years ago when my daughter was born, and I suddenly started having a much more active interest in the world around us and wanting to make it <laughs> a better place. Um, and I realized in looking at my daughter, uh, you know, at two years old, she's amazing. You know, she's, she's brave, she's courageous, she learned to walk and read and, 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 um, and draw and talk, it, you know, all on her own. And she's just curious and passionate and loves learning. And I realized that our school system is kind of breaking that down from uh, our kids. So I've just decided that I'm going to do my absolute best to make you know, a million people happy uh, in any way I can. Yeah. And, and the way I'm going to do that is through this uh, tool of the hero's journey, which is basically you know, answering the call to adventure. You know, Star Wars being a great example of you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. It's, we don't want to go on the adventure because it's scary. Um, which, is what is, which is what makes you a hero. Otherwise, you'll be a glory seeker. And you need right. to answer the call, and then you can have an impact on, on the world you live in. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Um, and apparently, you know, obviously, you have a lot of uh, experiences here with all sorts of things that are going to help yeah. you embrace that, that hero's journey mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it interesting that you talk about your two-year-old because uh, – one thing that I'm, I'm working on right now with uh, doing a, some presentations on is the idea of our youngsters. I'm an elementary principal, so I get them at five years of age. And um, how, much, how much their world is going to be completely different than what we're looking at now by the time they're even going to college. 
yeah, that's it. Like people will say, oh, you know, um, what will you do if your daughter comes home with a tattoo? I'm like, you think it's going to be a tattoo? <laughs> it's going to be a, <laughs> right. a cybernetic enhancement. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, in how do you prepare someone for, for a world? Because, you know, a lot of the education systems are out of date. A lot of uh, teachers are teaching in a way that doesn't embrace the modern world. And, and the, even like doing this, kind of reaching out and speaking to teachers and educators in other countries, it's, a lot of people aren't doing that. And so, and, and certainly in the UK, we're not valuing the arts enough. And yet most thought leaders are saying, we need to differentiate ourselves from robots because, you know, robots are already coming, uh, artificial intelligence is coming. Uh, you're going to be most valuable if you're, you know, a good communicator, have high emotional intelligence, you can work in teams, you can adapt quickly. You know, that they're the skills that are going to be what's desired. Um, and we've already seen you know, automation come into banks and fast food restaurants and um, you know, driverless tractors, certainly in farms where it's pretty safe at the moment. And that's just going to get more intense. Absolutely. I, I, I had written a book called The Future Ready Challenge for our teachers uh, because of my uh, frustration with the educational system. Uh, yeah. People that listen to this show have listened to me say many times that here in America, we were based on the Industrial Age Revolution through the Committee of Ten, and yeah. um, they only had three organizations from which to draw, the church, the factory, and the jail. And that's very much yeah. how we're still still molded to this day. Um, so we desperately need a change, and you and I are absolutely on the same page when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, I always say, you know, if you can be, if a teacher can be taken over by a computer, they probably should be. Um, yeah. No teacher, no teacher worth their quality is going to be taken over by a computer because humans will always have empathy, passion, love, desire, drive that that computers will not be able to instill in these kids. Um, so we will always have that edge if we learn how to live beside these AI type of things. Um, what do you what do you think? Have you ever looked at uh, you know thinking about your daughter being two years of age? You know, twenty years from now, what do you think uh, could be some occupations that are out there for her? How are you as a parent thinking about preparing her for jobs that don't exist today? Well, it's interesting. Well, one of the things I'm doing is just trying to stay up to date with technology and be and just be very open and um, uh, and curious about the whole world. So I try not to think, uh, well, that's not for me. And so I jump into it, which is, you know, when Snapchat first came out, it was it was aimed at like 12 year old girls. And I was like, well, OK, but um, <laughs> I, what is it about? Is that true? And there's actually you know, loads of really influential people and actors on there who you can engage with. So oh, yeah. but the main thing I'm going to be doing is just watching her when she goes into the school system. Um, and because, you know, they're amazing when they're two, three, four, five, I guess at, at elementary school, they're still amazing. But I get them at 16, 17, 18, when they come out of that school and then they're looking yeah. at further education. And right. they've got, you know, low self-esteem. They, 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 they're scared to fail. They've been over-tested to the point that they're afraid to get an answer wrong. They've lost their creativity. And so I'm just going to make sure that my daughter holds on to those skills. She doesn't get overstressed with testing. Obviously, I want her to try her best, but it's going to be a case of, like, this is just an exam. This is not a – do you know that Einstein quote that, you know, if you if – you, um, uh, I think it's like if you test a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'd think it was stupid. <laughs> and That's I, right. I just – that, that's one of the ways I, I'm, I'm going to be preparing her, but mainly it's going to be high self-esteem, high – uh, emotional intelligence, working as a team, embracing failure. You know, I don't want 
participation medals particularly. Um, I want her to be physically healthy. You know, there's a mind-body connect. A lot of our uh, youth are not exercising enough, basically, and they're not finding it fun. But mainly I want her to have a passion for learning, like with everything. And I can't wait. I can't wait. You must have the most fun because I guess when they're like four, five, six, you get to break out the science kit kits and like the wildlife oh, kits and find out about bugs and stuff yeah we really so, do have a good time <laughs> so so in order to prepare her for the future i want to take that element of education and try and keep that feeling that wonder throughout her teen years and then i think if she goes into the her adult years with that sense of wonder she'll still embrace new things she'll embrace other um other people kind of around the world which is another thing i'm doing i'm, I'm building my network so you know, I, I work with people in Thailand, in Australia, all across Europe, um, in America, just because I want to get a clear idea as to what is happening in the world. And I don't want that, you know, I teach media, so I don't want her subjected to the bias that the media can, can um, suggest is there. Right. That's interesting you say that because I'm, I'm working on an article right now about self-esteem. And, um, yes. you know, back, back in the 80s, Self-esteem was a critical component of curriculum here in America. We found it very important. Whole organizations and companies were changing their mantra so that they would have uh, positive, happy, healthy employees. In the 90s, it became uh, a bad thing. That's not the real world. They need to be ready for the real world. Participation trophies are terrible because they're all, you know, that's, not everybody's a winner, that type of thing. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm fighting against that right now because I'm saying, how'd that work out for us? Because now our kids are all screwed up. They're eating Tide Pods and snorting condoms and going <laughs> through school shooting people. So I'm not real sure that, uh, that, that telling kids that you know, it wasn't okay to have a high self-esteem has really worked out for us. Um, I, yeah. I actually am I'm a proponent of the participation trophy. I say, you know, there's, there could be a difference between the winning trophy and the participation trophy. But yeah. if, you, if you have winners, that means you also have losers. And I don't think exactly. kids ages three, four, five years of age up to 11, 12 need to be thought of as losers. Middle school, high school, adults, yeah, I get it. Go for it. Winners and losers. But at this young age for little, for little kids, I, I'm vehemently against the idea that we have to have winners and losers. Yeah, I like that idea. And it's that, but it's also um, a lot of the time it's you win or you learn. And, and depending on what yeah. you're doing, the problem is uh, like if you're doing science, failure is amazing because you're, yeah, you're right. getting rid of the wrong answers. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's how we develop critical thinking. It's the same with artists. It's, you know, you create stuff, you create art by making mistakes. And as long as we can keep hold of that desire to make mistakes and not have everything perfect, and then, you know, that crashes into social media and the, the perfect world, the perfect image, the perfect body. It's this element of uh, perfection and not wanting to just live in the, the chaos of actual life where, you know, you win some, you lose some, but you just keep going. Right. And that's – and my young kids here, everything's a competition. And I do worry about that yeah. because the kids have not learned how to lose and lose with respect and lose with – uh, dignity and that type of thing, because it seems to be very much a win or lose mentality. And I do think we get that from the lack of the uh, so-called proverbial participation trophy. Um, also, another thing you said that was interesting about uh, the, the the social media things like that. You know, when when you're dealing with the idea of self-esteem and positive self-concept, yeah. you know, the 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 lack of uh, modeling and the lack of uniqueness and connectedness and things that we've 
have done away with both financially by cutting the arts and that type of thing yeah. where they could have that sense of I'm a, I'm a unique person and I belong to other unique people in the arts. Say you're in a band or as an yeah. artist, as a dancer, as a, all of those things. Uh, you know, back in the 90s, again, we cut the hell out of those programs. And now, again, look where we are. They're looking to be unique by doing these crazy challenges and trying to get the most views on YouTube, uh, as yeah. opposed to doing them in positive, constructive ways. Yeah, absolutely. But I think there is, I think there is a backlash. I think there's rogue teachers and there's kind of new schools springing up where they are focusing on emotional intelligence. Like mindfulness seems to be uh, picking up. And any book I read of like a biography or any podcast I listen to about successful people, they all say the same stuff. You know, it's mindfulness, it's journaling, it's embracing failure. Um, and yet somehow um, the majority of people who go through the school system aren't picking up on those things. But it is, um, a lot of it is just mindfulness and being happy with your body and being, being privileged. I think, I mean, I'm hesitant to say this, but I think in many ways in the West we have it too easy. <laughs> we don't need to worry about that right. much, really. Uh-huh. And so we, uh, teenagers worry about stuff they don't really need to. Like how many, like you said, how many likes on Facebook do they get? It's like that's not important. Um, not even close you know, to important. <laughs> yeah, it's like on your deathbed, you will not be worrying about that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? All right, yeah. so this is uh, the Council on the Future of Education with Darren Horn. Uh, if you need to find us on our website, www.edufuture.us. Darren, what's your uh, Twitter handle? Oh, I think it is just Darren Horn. If it isn't Darren Horn, it's Darren Horn 77, but I think it is Darren Horn, and Horn has got an E on the end. Okay, well, we'll see you back here in one minute. We're going to take a quick commercial break, uh, Darren, and we'll be back with you and our audience here in one minute. That's great. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Childhood hunger is a silent epidemic. One in five school children do not have enough to eat. School lunch programs help feed these kids. But when the school bell rings on Friday, many of these children have nothing to eat. Blessings in a Backpack provides two entrees, two breakfasts, and two snacks for children who would otherwise have no food and no hope. Go to blessingsinabackpack.org. Hello, everyone. This is David Franklin, one of the authors of Can Every School Succeed, inviting all of you to join the Bending Ed movement and pick up a copy of Can Every School Succeed through Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Follow us on Twitter at Can All Succeed, and please join us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for Bending Ed Chat. Thank you. All right, we're back here on the Council on the Future of Education radio show. We're having our show every Monday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, uh, you can feel free to reach out to me at rob at robferman.com or on Twitter at drferman, at Dr. Furman on Twitter. So we're here with Darren Horn, and Darren, it's been a wonderful talk so far. Um, tell me a little bit about your uh, youth mental health 
first responder or first aider um, and how you got sort of involved with that. Because I do see over here in America, there is a lot of mental health issues that we're dealing with children at a younger and younger age and more and more frequently. Yeah, sure. Um, actually, when my daughter was born, I, I suffered a big bout of depression and I had to develop a lot of skills to, to manage it. And uh, it was a pretty tough fight back, but I got it under control. But just going through that, I, I think, gave me a little bit more insight as to what it felt like. And um, the other thing that happened when my daughter was born is the love I felt for her just exploded. Like, And then it became, it sounds silly, but I then loved everyone's kids because I realized that if the, if, and, and every adult, really, because I realized that when you're born, it's just innocence and beauty and, and, and curiosity. And everything else is programmed in by media, education, friends, parents and things. So I really just wanted to help more. And it, it bothered me that I was, uh, you know, as a, on a weekly basis, we were having teenagers have panic attacks or you know, self-harming scars or off with depression. Um, and so on my, I, I found out that there was such a thing as a youth mental health first aid course. And I went on it. And I just learned about, um, you know, what I can do to deal with a panic attack, how, how you spot uh, eating disorders, how you spot um, signs of depression. And on the whole, you know, my main job is to recognize it and then um, divert them to the appropriate, you know, um, professionals. But it does also involve talking teenagers down from panic attacks, which, uh, you know, I, I sadly have to do quite a bit. And uh, it's, fun, it's interesting to me because most workplaces and most educational facilities will have a list of um, like physical first aiders who are on call if there's an accident and you know, a, a, a student cuts themselves. But it's not the norm yet to have a mental health first aider. And yet, I mean, they, they should be probably more, uh, more dominant than physical first aiders. And it's just a nice because you've got to be so careful when you're dealing with mental health because if you say the wrong thing it can it can just make things much 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 worse so it's it just gave me a huge boost of confidence um to deal with uh teenagers going through something and then it became that they started to kind of seek me out and ask me questions and things but this also goes back to the hero's journey in that you know, a good hero is vulnerable. It's why we like John McClane in the first Die Hard, because he's kind of in a toilet crying, pulling glass out of his feet. We want to see our heroes vulnerable. We don't really like Superman because it's a little bit too perfect. We like, you know, Batman as a psychotic mess or PTSD and alcoholic Iron Man. And so the students tended to respond better to me when they realized that I wasn't kind of a teacher on a pedestal. They, they realized that I'd had some flaws and I'd gone through some stuff. And then they, they tend to reach out. And I think that's a good teaching tool because we always say to our students, you know, and I do deal with teenagers, oh, you know, you need to, if you're going through something, you need to open up to us. You can talk to us about anything. And yet, you know, it, some teachers can be closed books as to what they've gone through. And I'm not saying we should share everything, but we can certainly be a leader. And, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by leadership because if you communicate in any way, you have influence. And if you have influence, you are by default a leader. So you need to decide how you're going to lead and, and what impact you want to have on the world. And mine was to, be, you know, to certainly be a, almost like a beacon for mental health in, in the college I teach at, to say that, you know, I've gone through this as well. It's not the same. Everyone's experience is different, but I'm happy to talk about it, and I've got some skills that I can uh, maybe help you with. Yeah, I find that interesting that you talk about um, the, the teachers and the idea of leadership and uh, being perfect because – Sometimes I think we just lean too much on uh, teachers and professors being perfect, like we yeah. have to be perfect. 
because uh, we've got so many eyes on us and we're working with the children of the world and all those things that, yeah, I, I would want an adult who's working with my kid to be perfect. However, that's just not realistic. And it seems like we get to a point where as soon as the teacher shows even the slightest flaw, we, we attack them as opposed to yeah. embracing them and saying, yeah, you're a human. It's okay to, to have a flaw, you know, and, and actually that makes you more relatable to the kids because they see you as a human being then rather than something that's, that's going to fall off a pedestal and shatter into a million pieces because you're just not that realistic. And that's it. And if you go back to your education, you'll probably find that the favorite teacher you had was the one you knew most about or you knew their flaws or you knew their vulnerabilities because they were just a bit more, their guard was down a little bit, you know? And, Absolutely. Um, and, and so Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I also think back to my favorite teachers. They were the ones who didn't try to put on the facade of being perfect. Like, a yeah. lot of people, you know they're not perfect, and they try to fake being perfect, and that even makes yeah. it worse. The ones who yeah. were real with us are the ones who we appreciated, I think, the most. I completely agree with you. And particularly when it comes to, you know, like me teaching media, I can't stay up to date. It's really hard for me to stay up to date with everything in the, that's going on in the media industry. And so sometimes students are coming in, and they know something that I don't, and I can't. You know, and so what I do is say, wow, that's brilliant. Can you teach that to the class? And I just empower them. Like, my job isn't to know everything. Their phones know everything because everything, they've got access to the Internet. They replaced us. Into, my, my job now isn't to be a knowledge bearer because the Internet does that. My job is to help guide and, and grow wisdom and, and emotional intelligence and all the things I've been talking about. And that's going to help much, much better. And that's going to have more impact on them. But also... You know, a lot of schools' uh, social media policies are a little bit out of date. Like, we have one where I'm not allowed to add students on Facebook, but my Facebook profile is open, so they can actually go and follow it. Or they can follow me on Snapchat, because I won't necessarily know who they are, because they can have a different username. Or they can right. follow me on Twitter, or they can follow me on Instagram. So there's this whole thing of, like, you've got to have barriers up and be, like, a, a, you know, a, a teacher behind walls. But at the same yeah. time, don't Google me. They're going to find out anything, you know. <laughs> they're going to find out <laughs> right. Stuff I've been, you know, whether it's press releases or articles I've written, you know, it's, it, it there's no point trying to hide who you are anymore because you can't hide. <laughs> yeah, and the more you try to hide, the worse it seems to become. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So, and then it becomes a Aaron, thing that they found out. Yeah, sorry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, you're absolutely right. It becomes something they found out as opposed to just being a. So yeah, I, I told you about that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So, hey, Darren, do you have any websites or articles or anything out there you can help us uh, steer our audience to, to learn more about you and find out more about yeah. what your writings? Share yeah, that with us. Sure. I've got, I've got um, um, my website is darrenhorn.com, again, with an E on the end. It's going through a little bit of a, 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 a another draft, but it's there. And my social media, I think, is in the bottom right-hand corner of the website. There is a blog there. There's... Um, uh, they're mainly around the subjects of leadership and communication. But uh, if you also follow me on Twitter, I'll tend to share old uh, other articles. Um, but, you know, there's articles on leadx.com, uh, Thrive Global. Uh, the, if it's more mental health, it tends to be the mighty. Uh, where else? Good Men Project I write quite a lot for as well. And, um, and what I like to do, particularly for the Good Men Project, is, again, using Hero's Journey and gaming as well. I, I like gaming and games like Skyrim. So I like the idea of treating life like a computer game. And in computer games, in role-playing games, we explore everywhere because we want to get our money's worth and we want to <laughs> develop our skills. 
And it's one of those things that I find frustrating in real life that we don't have a skills tree. So if I do, you know, if I do, I don't know, some maths, for example, I don't see my stats go up. Whereas I genuinely think if we could see that, we, as human beings, we'd want to max all of our stats, but we don't oh, see our growth. Um, but it was, I mean, because our kids were playing games like crazy, and there's just so many lessons you can learn in them and apply to the real world um, if you treat the real world. Because it's that whole thing. Like if you're playing a role-playing game, I'll talk to every person in the town to see if they've got something uh, useful to tell me. But if I'm at a party, <laughs> I'll stand in the corner and talk to two people. <laughs> it's like right, that's right. real Absolutely. people who can give me value. Right. <laughs> what, what was the name of that? Mighty Men? Or what was it called? Uh, 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 it was, oh, The Good Men Project. If you Good, go the, the Good Men Project. project. Yeah, okay, that's the, my name. They'll come up with all the articles I've written for them. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Darren. I'm going to uh, get ready here to close up, but it's been uh, wonderful yeah. talking to you. And uh, I, you know, I'd like to do this again sometime to sort of get a maybe even track the journey of you and your daughter. I think that's pretty interesting. And she sounds like a beautiful <laughs> young girl with a wonderful dad. And you know, maybe uh, in a yeah, couple you, months, you can give us a little update on her. Yeah, totally. All my Facebook lives are about her. If you find me on Facebook, you'll see it's an open profile. It's all just videos of her crashing my lives when, when I'm trying to you know, <laughs> give value to the world. And she just runs straight in on them all the time. Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, everybody, get ready. Here's some information. Darren Horn, D as in dog, A-R-R-E-N-H-O-R-N-E. You can find his website at DarrenHorn.com. You could go yeah. to the Good Men Project. That's what it's called, right? The yeah. Good Men? Great Men. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Project. Uh, you could find Darren there. If you Google him, obviously you're going to find all sorts of information on him. Oh, yes. Uh, Darren Horn's also involved with Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, yeah. obviously. Uh, reach out yeah. to him because he sounds like a one-of-a-kind great guy. <laughs> and um, if you need to get a hold of him, you can also go through me as well, robferman.com. My email, rob at robferman.com. Darren, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for <laughs> hanging in there with us. Um, and I hope to talk to you again soon, buddy. Yeah, yeah, thanks for inviting me. I had a really good time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So this is the Council on the Future of Education podcast. We'll see you again uh, on Monday. The Council on the Future of Education. Fire, frustration, and discord are burning in every city.